0: you next. This is Anna.
1: And I'm Gregor.
0: This is the podcast where we sit down with sex-positive guests and explore the weird and wonderful world of BDSM.
1: Today we have a real treat for you. We've been speaking about this episode for months already.
0: Yeah, it's a look back on our time at FetishCon in Florida. I think it was uh, from the 10th of August, I'm not sure, but it was definitely mid-August and we've been working on this episode since.
1: It was in August, it was hot and sweaty in Florida. We but...
0: Cold inside.
1: Cold inside. Like, it was we really... so
0: air conditioned. We were actually freezing most of the time. Yeah,
1: uh, because we thought we could do crop tops and everything, and we were freezing.
0: Mistake. <laughs>
1: So we went to Fetish Con, which is a three-day Fetish Fair event in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. And we went there with our partner brand, Fetish.com. We had a little booth there. We went with our coffee sub, Diego, who was there. And he brought us coffee, to be a honest. A lot of yeah. coffee, because there was a Starbucks in the hotel. Oh, there was a Convention star, yeah. Center. <laughs> it was at the Hilton Hotel.
0: I think the difference with this con, we've been to other Fetish Fairs, but there was this melting pot of anime and superhero yeah. Comic-Con type things with fetish. A lot of, a lot of cosplay,
1: yeah. A lot of fetish and beat um, porn performers.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of networking for producers and actors. And apparently up in the rooms, we weren't invited to many. Actually, I was. I was asked to be in a couple of porn <laughs> just films. just didn't go. But they were actually shooting throughout the weekend. So people yeah. would go up to hotel room and just start shooting whatever kinky porn they're into.
1: So this is the episode where you will hear our experiences at Fetish Con. We interviewed some of the people that were there, and we have one very special experience where we made really good friends with the people from the booth opposite of ours.
0: It was Kimbaku Studio. They're a couple who do a lot of shibari and rope work. And in the end, I ended up trying it. So did you, Gregor and Diego. I also did but but we didn't. Uh, we didn't record that. We recorded uh, my first experience and they were so great and they took us through all the safety protocols they do it with such care
2: Hmm.
0: and they're all about checking in and if you get anxious or panic attacks that you need to tell them and constantly check in with them so because
1: yeah because it was not only uh shibari it was suspension bondage so anna really got pulled up on the ropes
0: there was a waiting list for this all weekend wasn't it apparently <laughs> this he's poor very, guy yeah. <laughs> yeah he's very famous in the suspension bondage yeah. scene apparently he's one of the fastest rope riggers yeah. uh if you don't know what a rope rigger is the person that actually ties the rope and suspends people and then the person who is getting tied up is usually the rope bunny and i became the rope bunny
1: so let's hear how that went hi anna you're next in line How are you?
0: I'm feeling nervous because Diego just said it's really tight on your chest. And I get really nervous about things on my chest. So I'm nervous, but I also very much trust this guy because I've been watching him for two days now. And there's just been a steady stream of people getting suspended. So let's see how this
3: goes.
1: Just submit. Submit.
3: Submit. Okay. So my name is Arthur. We're at FetishCon, right? We're going to try some shabari or suspension in the air for the first time before we tie you know we, we go through some safety and consent discussion to make sure everyone's on the same page right we have all the same expectations because that's what we want to manage our expectations to be honest i am not a big fan of pain no, <laughs> I get it. so neither. yeah <laughs> so for me it's usually a very comfortable tie. it's going to feel like you're you're in a hammock but it's a little bit restrictive right when you're in a hammock the rope still digs into your body a little bit, right? It just kind of feels like that. There should be no pain, numbness or tingling feeling because yeah, we will definitely address that during our talk okay. to make sure that you don't feel any of those. Okay. And, and a lot of times we can fix it, right? It's Just like a hammock, if you move around, it might feel better. So because you can't physically move the rope, I can help you do that and move the rope, it might feel better and you might last longer. Right.
0: Let's do this. So
3: do you have any uh, broken bones or any joints like to pop out? Nope. No? Any steel rods or hardware in your body? I hope not. I, <laughs> just, I don't know. No, uh, okay. Uh, any uh, issue with your shoulders? No. Your back? No. Your hips? No. Your knees? No. Your ankle? No. Okay. So since we don't know each other, right, and this is your first time, I tend to be on cautious on the safe side, so your hands will not be tied, right? So you can always brace yourself. You can always protect yourself if anything goes wrong, right? And so if people walk up, I won't, you know, get them back off. But at the same time, you still have your hands to protect okay, yourself so if you it's need not to. No, bounding. Correct. If you want, so you don't know what to do with your hand, because I get that question a lot, you can tuck it behind your back okay. or put it behind your head. It's up to you. You know, just just have a relaxing time, right?
0: I'm gonna try and relax. I'm a bit of an anxious person, so this is me losing control a bit. Okay.
3: Okay. <laughs> so feel this rope. This is jute. It's a type of grass. Okay. Are you allergic to grass? No. Does your hand feel tingly at any time? No? No? okay. So, this is why some people don't know that they're allergic to grass or even jojoba oil. So, you feel it. If you're tingly, right, you might know that it, it will get tingly feeling. So, I'm a little bit allergic, and let's see how my hand is red? Yeah. I used to love it. I love this. I can only use this. Okay, I want to. Uh, any issue with asthma? Uh,
0: I do have asthma.
3: Okay. Uh, it's like very, very mild
0: asthma, okay. and
3: well controlled. So, if you do, we can always get you down very quickly, okay? Okay,
0: so if I'm feeling tight chested, I will All tell right. you.
3: Yep. Any issue with uh, blood circulation? So, high blood pressure, low blood pressure, diabetes, anemic, blood clot? No. Okay. <laughs> Any nervous system uh, issue, like fibromyalgia, oversensitive nerve, uh, pinched nerve? No. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Any mental trigger I should be worried about? PTSD, anxiety, claustrophobia, fear of heights? No, a slightly anxious person, If you do feel like there might be a panic attack, right? communicate with me. We're going to get you down very quickly, okay? okay. That makes
0: me feel better.
3: Yeah. Are you wearing a bra by any chance as underwire? No. Okay, and then last question. It's okay if I touch you non-sexually?
0: Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Let's go. Okay,
1: we're starting. So Anna is being tied with a red rope. They're starting at the breast, torso. And Anna, she's got quite an audience. How is it so far, Anna?
3: Hello. It's quite tight.
1: So do you always start at the chest?
3: Depends. So if it's something really strenuous, just from, from like a strapado from the chest, then no, I start from the hip. Um, if it's something that's more comfortable, that I need to have uh, whoever I'm tying to be balanced and not fall, yes, then I start the chest. So because I'm going to add an upline right after I do this, so that when I tie the legs together, you're not gonna fall over if you trip, right? So it's kind of about safety. <laughs> I'm trying to focus on breathing through the nose. A lot of people say this feels like a very tight-fitted, snug bra.
1: Breasts are done, they're all tied up. <laughs> yeah, we crop topped our fetish shirts this morning and Anna's nipple showed a bit so we put spanky neck stickers onto them. How is it?
3: <laughs> it's restrictive.
1: You're also really fast.
3: I, I'm very efficient. I'm scared. I'm not thinking much about my ties so because this is like a beginner so I, I can be very more faster and less thinking and just tying.
1: So this is not about it being beautiful or anything but, but about efficiency and safety I guess?
3: Correct. At least for a suspension for the first time trying it I want to make it as safe and enjoyable for everyone right?
1: Okay now hips and legs are tied.
0: Oh got an itchy eye. one sec. <laughs>
1: And we are going up.
0: I'm not ready. I'm scared.
1: Okay, so Anna, this was the moment just before you went up by the ropes. How was it?
0: I have to admit, it really hurt my chest and my bum more than I said, because oh, I didn't, did want, to be, yeah, oh I didn't want to be that complainer thats that can't handle any pain. Yeah. But in the end, I felt very relaxed actually after it. But the first feeling was kind of like nauseating. Yeah.
1: We'll hear you speaking about how you felt after the whole experience. And it's really weird because you told me that you felt kind of super relaxed and super good. I didn't have that feeling, <laughs> I have to say. I don't know, maybe mine was more. Of course, I don't have all. Uh, breasts, I don't have the boobs. I don't have, have the, the boobs. So I think it's easier to time honestly
0: yeah probably um, it did like catch on the ribcage but before that I was quite nervous because there was a crowd gathering around me and it was my first time it was
1: also loads of people taking pictures yeah
4: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: kind of did that that you were sensation <laughs> if you want to see images of that they are on our Instagram and our Twitter at Spankynax Podcast it's hilarious
0: yeah so let's see how it went
3: I'm about to go up okay sit into the row and then just lean back and you're good ready go how is it? It's tight and,
0: but it's quite, it's actually quite comfortable. You sound so shocked. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. That's more comfortable because it's a, it's a bit sore here. That's the only thing. On my butt. But you know, it's very freeing. <laughs> that's it. That's it? Okay, so I'm, what, what am I? Versi- no, I'm like horizontal. And now my legs are getting tied and they're going to be up at a, di- what, like a kind of 90 degree angle? I'm not sure if flexible enough,
3: Gregor.
1: Yeah, yeah. We want to see them relax.
3: Oh, yeah, it feels good, you know. It's very relaxing. So now we're gonna get the whipping stripe to spank you, right? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm up. Yeah, perfect butt right there. You can spank. <laughs> okay. Thank you. What an experience. I want to spank you a little bit? You want
0: to spank?
2: Yeah, let's go.
1: are you doing now?
0: I really feel that I understand subspace very well now. I feel absolutely like I've been in a spa for like eight hours and it was only 20 minutes or something. I feel really relaxed.
1: Were you kind of scared at any point?
0: Yes because I don't like things around my chest because I have asthma and I traditionally have had anxiety, so I thought that would be a real stress factor. And when I was up there, it was actually quite painful. Not painful, but it wasn't comfortable in parts. But I think it's because it was my first time. But actually, I relaxed into it and enjoyed it a lot more. I don't think I see the erotic element, but I do see that holistic kind of relaxing element that people talk about. So yeah, I think it was a really good experience. Gregor, let's actually take it back to day one when we first arrived. Uh, It was a meet and greet party, and then Um, the kinky red carpet, which was sort of everyone introducing themselves to the crowd for the weekend.
1: It was our first day at the fetish fair, and
0: we were dressed.
1: We were stressed. It was such a chaos to go to the US. We we're still in a pandemic. This was the first summer. People were traveling again, so all the airports were really busy. It was my first flight to the US. Do you and... remember my
0: vaccine thing? And I couldn't oh, find my it in God. the airport. Oh, I they had the al- biggest stress.
1: Yeah, they almost didn't let Anna through. So kind of, and I thought I would have to go alone, and I was yeah. kind of.
0: Let me clear up. I am vaccinated. Don't worry. <laughs> I couldn't find my certificate to get in, and. I honestly thought Gregor was going to have to just leave me at the airport gates. And go
1: there with Diego. But it was all
0: good. It was all
1: good. So we got there. We got to St. Petersburg, Florida. We got to our Airbnb. And then the first night, we already went to the kinky red carpet. And I'm so kind of... I've When I listen to the audio, it sounds like I'm saying pinky red really carpet. And really does. And it, I, even, I say he meant, twice. He
0: meant to say kinky red carpet, but twice in a row it says pinky. What was, what was in your head? Oh my God.
1: Head? I was... <laughs> Probably just nervous and stressed.
0: <laughs> Let me set the scene for you, okay? So we're in a convention-type centre. It's a Hilton Hotel, but it's more like the type of place you'll see a Comic-Con at. You know, bright white lighting. Oh God, yeah. Red carpet. Air
1: conditioning.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, lots of air conditioning. And then you have this long another red carpet and people are waiting to queue up to walk down it and then there's a whole host of photographers that take your photo against a backdrop like as if you're going to a kinky Hollywood event.
1: And we walk down the red carpet and suddenly there were so many people taking our pictures and we thought who are we except exceptionally gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it was intense because the the flashing of the cameras, it was my first experience of feeling somewhat notable as a person, Gregor.
1: In the fetish world, yeah. In the
0: fetish world. But the outfits were insane. I mean, I think ours were probably some of the tamest.
1: Oh my God, yeah. I think we were really kind of decent in a way. And so after having our pictures taken, we went out to mingle.
0: Yeah, so let's hear from the crowd at the Kinky Red Carpet.
1: The people. So, okay... Hey, Anna and I are just at the pinky, yeah, it's a bit loud around here, Anna and I are just at the pinky red carpet. And uh, we had our photo call, so kind of, loads of people wanted our picture, of course. <laughs> of course. And um, now we're just walking around and interviewing exciting people. There's some latex, there's lo- loads of lot high of here.
0: latex is overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, the, the outfits here are insane. Like, I've been to Fetish fairs before, but this has taken up another level.
1: That's it, you know, kind of we work online, so kind of it's more visual the work we do and see. But uh, when you get to a fetish fair, it's kind of the smell that impacts you the most.
0: And I think the thing is, you just come as you are. This is a, such a safe space for people to just come in basically nothing or full latex. And there's a furry over there, which I love. Look at him, he's a lone furry. And in the Florida heat, that's impressive.
1: That's impressive. First of all, you have an amazing outfit, it's all medical fetish, Thank Later. You. Yes. tell us about it.
5: Yes, so this outfit is actually basically like a vision that I had one time and I said, fuck it, I'm going to do it for the red carpet because this is where everybody can see it, you know. So I'm a dominatrix, uh, my name is Mistress Rogue. I love medical fetish and all, uh, all the weird aspect of it. So I was feeling pretty dominant one day and I imagine all this... CEO-looking man with suits. So basically, they're connected to me. So I'm basically feeding them through this bag because they will always, like, just be so thirsty and drowning in it, So they, and they love it. So they, I just, while I was making my little art, just drop them in there, like, oh, yeah. You want to swim in the blood for me?
0: I love it. So, for anyone that can't see this right now, which is everyone, you're hooked up to basically an IV of blood with like sort of male characters swimming in the blood. Right? Slaves.
5: Slaves. All those men that are so dominant, but in reality, when they come in, they're all just very much submissive.
0: You put them in your, their place, right? Yes.
5: So, this is my everyday. (laughs) What is it about
0: medical fetish that you love?
5: The part that I love the most about medical fetish is the fear play. It's that aspect of the weird, like a mad doctor doing experiments in the dungeon. So, I have a, a room in my dungeon that is medical fetish, but it's also fear-based so i play the role of that mad doctor you come in to see because you have no insurance and you gotta come into the sketchy place
4: so we're jasmine and jr cruz we're uh this is our first time coming to one of these things so just uh we're here for the industry but also to learn a little bit more about ourselves see what works for us what doesn't and just have a great time with great people
6: so you said industry you work
4: in industry. yes ma'am so we're doing we're doing adult films. I'm just starting. I'm usually more of the behind the scenes guy, just taking behind the scenes photos and running her social media and stuff. And then uh, she was kind enough to bring me along, and you know I begrudgingly accepted.
2: I'm the actress. It's
6: kinky. I Do girl, girl, boy, girl. Dildos, sexy dildos, everyone. Now I went to this fetish convention, trying to open my mind to different things. This is new to me—the whole foot fetish, which I didn't know about. Nylons. I have things about I need to learn. So, as a model, I'm trying to, you know, open myself to new things and learn new things, so that it'll—it's like a challenge for me to try sure. something different. So why not? And have fun
4: used, and uh, meet cool the people. Table last night oh, with uh <laughs> with for blazed Media or Blaze Studios. I Want to make sure I get that right.
6: How was that?
0: Laurie
7: Hall is wholly amazing.
0: (laughs) Hello, so what's your name?
8: I'm Lauren Phillips. What brought you here? Uh,
1: fetish. <laughs> oh yeah, Lauren Phillips. She was a real personality she at the Fetish Fair. She was Oh everywhere. my god, she was all over the place. She worked like non-stop.
0: And we were a bit embarrassed when we first met her because she is a super famous porn performer in America, especially in fetish porn, and we did not know this. So I remember when I asked her who she was, she was almost a bit taken aback that I didn't yeah. know, so I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah Oh now now you say it
1: But it was actually so much fun because we bumped into her very first day and then saw her all the days Absolutely. of the Fetish Fair, kind of. She was with our friends at the Bondage studio. She got tied up. She was just hanging around. She was kind of networking.
0: She's such a performer. I mean, she, she is, is always odd. on. She's
1: always on. And um, I think it was the second night Then we were in this bar and then we watched some of her porn in probably not the best place to watch her porn. But... Oh my God, she has such presence <laughs> in porn. I can, I really recommend you she, checking her out.
0: She is top 40 porn performers in the US, so, you know, big deal. And she said that she actually came from near St. Petersburg originally, moved yeah. to LA, and now she just bought a second home because she's doing so well oh in Florida.
1: Real local.
8: I'm in all types of fetish. I am Lauren Phillips. I am top 40 international porn stars and I've been doing this for 10 years. So I've done a lot of fetish. I've done from kink.com to like legal porno.
1: So what's your favorite kind of scene?
2: I like group sex.
1: Who are your friends?
2: Uh, So this is Kendra Lee Ryan. Hi, I'm Kendra Lee Ryan. I'm a BBW porn star and pro dom of five years. What (laughs) brought you into the business? I started when I was 18. I went to a strip club when I turned 18 and I was like, I want to do that. And then from there it was cam work, kind of similar to Lauren, we've realized. That's why her and I connect so well. She started in cam and then to porn, same with me. And then we just evolved and she's the queen, in my opinion, the queen of mainstream porn. And I'm the queen of petite BBW porn. (laughs) But it's awesome because I feel like this community is so open and welcoming, especially the BBWs, as porn has a little bit more of a categorized situation. Exactly. So that's another reason why Lauren and I get along because she's very all inclusive. Like she loves big women. She loves any like not just anyone, but she loves anyone. So she's very open minded. And because of that, I was like, that's a down ass person I want to be associated with. That doesn't judge me on my body like most mainstream models let's do this and then we figured out that there's certain things like I do a little bit more domination in the private setting and there's things that she does in the public setting mm-hmm. that I, yeah. I we can feed off each other so it's been great we've had a good working yeah. relationship for about eight months yeah. yes as well as, like, oh yeah I'm her assistant success. I'm definitely her assistant when she needs me and then I have my own career but when we can work together we do I feel
8: like um, in our industry that it, it's good to uh, kind of collaborate and help each other because I feel like There's so much stigma of us kind of bouncing, like kind of being competitive, or people uh, judging us to each other. And when I work with people, I try to give them a, like for me, it's a non judgment zone. And I feel like the adult industry is the adult industry. And even though society or the adult society basically puts these lines of like what is what is and what's that and stuff, I don't see that. Like I, for me, like fetish model, BBW, from like anything like that it's like feature dancing you know it's all the same industry and i don't see the lines personally
1: oh that's nice what are you most looking forward to
8: i'm actually excited to see everybody because it's been so long and it's almost like like a freaking reunion of everybody so i'm so excited and i get to get tied up
6: Hi, I am Lady Yu, and I'm with Kimbaku Studio. We are an Asian-American-owned, woman-run rope bondage studio. We tie rope, sell rope, teach rope, perform rope. We like rope. How did you get into it? All right, so I'm sure you might have heard of a little book called Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, I read it, and I'm like, hmm, that sounds kind of interesting. So I asked a friend of mine who I knew was in the lifestyle, and he said, okay, I want you to take that book, enjoy it for a good fiction, here are some other books. So I started reading into it. Well, in my area, the only kink that was available was rope. And I'm like, well, okay, well, let me try it. Cause he was running it. It was like less than five miles from my house. And I went there and he tied me and I fell in love.
0: Okay, guys, so this is Lady Yu from Kimbaku Studios who you heard us referring to earlier. Her partner, I'm not sure husband. Husband, I think, yeah. Husband, I think, was the person who tied me up and suspended me
1: they became really good friends during the fetish fair it was a kind of a sad moment when we had to wrap up everything in the end
0: they had such great vibes
1: yeah and um they're real special in the bondage scene because she is not only a rope bunny she's also a rigger and uh, they are mixed race couples so kind of they are kind of doing away with loads of stereotypes
0: especially she'll talk about in a few moments, is being a woman in the scene, having an Asian-American person, the sort of stigma and racism on both sides that they've experienced, and that they're showing that you can do it all.
1: I also really like how she found her way into a BDSM and that was so special because we talked to so many people on the fetish Fair and of course everybody has their very own story and you know for this event there's the whole Hilton Hotel in St. Petersburg is closed off so it's all just the fetish Fair and of course the employees are just the regular employees that are working there all year round and it's so interesting also talking to them and then hearing kind of for some it's a bit weird, for some it's really interesting and cool and uh, some even revealed their very own fetishes to us. But now let's go back to Lady Yu and hear about her experiences.
6: I went to a party and that's where I met my husband and he was looking for somebody to tie. I was looking for somebody to tie me and it was like a match made in heaven. And here we are, nine years later, we've made a bondage company out of something that we love to do.
1: It's amazing because yesterday we saw you on the stage. You don't only like to be tied up, you're also a rigger. Tell us about that.
6: So how I got into tying is uh, when I first started with my husband, we were an hour away from each other and I'm a little rope slut. I love being tied up. So I started practice tying on myself. And then it developed into, long story short, when we opened up the photography studio, there were a lot of the models didn't want a guy to tie them because it seemed very sexual oh, so they didn't bother to check my sexuality, identity. They just assumed I'm a girl, so I'm gonna be safe. And I'm like, I am, but you know. <laughs> but so I started tying people for those photos and what it developed into, we both teach, we both tie and we both perform. And I like the fact that I am not your average everyday looking rope bottom. I am a big girl. I promote big body positivity, gender identity. It doesn't matter who you are. If you want to get tied, we'll tie you. But more importantly, we'll teach you how to look out for signs for being safe as a bottom. So that gave me a really unique perspective as a rigger because I know what it feels like. So I know where I can put the rope that it's not going to hurt somebody. And it made it a lot more fun because my husband is only a rope top. He does not like to get tied. So we have these competitions. And I usually win because I know how far I can push somebody. And then I'm going to be honest, the competitions are who can tie the most sadistic rope. I win because, like I said, I can push. have experienced I've ex- it. I've experienced it, and I'm a sadomasochist. So, you know, that's a little bit of a unique perspective. But also, I love making people happy. And I love making people feel safe within the rope. And I think rope looks beautiful on everybody. And everybody deserves to experience that rope, that feeling. That, hey, I didn't think I could do this feeling, you know? And it's like, very empowering. That's my kink. I, my kink is to make people happy. And it's just like this wonderful symbiotic relationship that. It ties us all together, pun intended.
0: <laughs> I, we were talking about this yesterday, about how we've noticed that most of the riggers tend to be kind of nerdy white guys. Why do you think that is?
6: At least in America, there is this perceived notion of dominant submissiveness in rope bondage. Whoever is doing the tying is perceived as the dominant and the women are in the bottom are the rope or the submissives. So there's this really archaic viewpoint of men are the dominant, women are the submissives, especially in terms of rope bondage. And I think that has perpetuated into this culture where I'm gonna be completely honest, no offense intended to your listeners, but I call them the creepy old white dudes. But it's just like they think that because they're, you know, I've been doing this for so many years, I'm entitled to do whatever I want. And they push limits that they shouldn't or don't have permission to push. But because they are deemed professionals in the industry, because they've been doing it for so long, they think they're trusted. And I want to break that stigma because... Yeah, I'm sure there are really, there are some really talented white male riggers. Absolutely, just like there are some predator females. I'm not saying, you know, there's, there's predators everywhere. But I think one of the most important things that we need to fight within the kink community is gender and race stereotypes. And we need to educate more of the people getting tied to ask questions, to say, okay, stand up for themselves. Here, these are my limits and feel like they can advocate for themselves because one of the biggest red flags is if somebody says, "Oh, you can trust me. I know what I'm doing." I absolutely know what I'm doing, but I want you to question me. I want you to communicate with me. I can't read your mind. If I'm tying you, I don't know what your body feels like. I only tell my kids that because, you know, that's, you know, that's something that moms do. But the reality is, is I want open communication. When my husband and I are tying people, we don't believe in like the red, yellow, green, safe word stuff. We advocate for people to use them. But at the end of the day, we want people to tell us what you're feeling because we want clear and open communication. Because we want to keep you safe. We want to make sure everybody's safe. And. The, the, the nerdy white guys or the creepy old white dudes, whatever label that you want to put on them, they're only in it for their pleasure. And for us, rope is a partnership. Yeah, I'm self-tying and I can violate my own limits because it's like, oh, I'll have one more piece of cake, it's not gonna hurt me kind of thing. But when it comes to tying with a partner, it is definitely a teamwork and everybody can get tied. But it takes communication and trust. And that's the most important thing that you can get from all of the rope.
0: And you said that you're an Asian American couple. How does that change your sort of like perception of this kind of whitewashed business in America?
6: It's been a, a big challenge, um, especially since COVID. My husband is from Taiwan, so he identifies as Taiwanese, but like everybody calls them Chinese. That has put a real hard knock on us. Because we're one of the very few Asian owned companies, because my husband owns it. And me being his wife running it, nobody wants to talk to me because they seem I'm his submissive. Because that's that, you know, our personal dynamic has nothing to do with our business. But I've had to do so much business using his Americanized name because they don't, you know, they see his legal name and he's not taking us seriously and it's heartbreaking for me because you've watched him all weekend. He is clearly, he is a very talented, and I want the world to know us, obviously, but I also want people to know that we're more than just our ethnicities. And I want to help people look beyond race and gender, and let's just get back to facts. You know, this is what things are, and in this country, it has been really hard for any people of color any women to really stand out in this business
1: yeah we're here now with drew from bad dragon they're one of the sponsors at fetish con and so, drew what does bad dragon do
9: uh, so we make fantasy toys they're all platinum cured silicone um, they range in different sizes and different models we have uh, mini all the way through extra large we have dildos we have penetrables we have wearables we have you know, you name it we pretty much got it. <laughs> we get a lot of good reception here and you know we're really involved with the cute community and we get a good reception. So,
0: How did the company start?
9: Uh, it started back in 2008 our founders were something um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, the furry fandom um, but they pretty much they're all furries and they just hey let's let's make a dragon dick and then one became two and two became you know however many we got today so are they all dragon dicks? Oh, we make a bunch. We make dragons, werewolves, canines, uh, you name it. You know, just a b- bunch of different fantasy stuff, you know. What are people most interested in? The most interested? in? Oh boy. Anything anthropomorphic, so like anything based off the furry fandom, I think it's probably still the most popular. So the uh, dragons, uh, equinine, uh, canine, stuff like that. But are all your customers furries or is it really diverse? No, it's pretty diverse. It's very, very diverse. But it's just that's where it started from. And that's kind of where it birthed. And I think it's just gaining popularity. And that's just, you know,
4: why I say that. Thank you so much. What name do you want? I have many names. Do you want like my legal name? Do you want my like industry? Like, kind of, OK, so I go by like Nasty Grande or Nasty Nate.
0: OK, okay. and what's
4: your kinks? My kinks are... I'm into C&C. Consensual non-consent? There you go. For, for those who don't know, uh, I'm into age play. I'm into DDLG, Daddy Down Little Girl. I'm into... Um,
0: are you the daddy?
4: I'm the little girl. No, <laughs> yes, I'm the daddy. I am the daddy, yes. I am the daddy with the pants and the belt until I take it off and I p- commence to spank ass. Nice. What else am I into? I'm into, like, messy stuff. So spit... Scat? Go for, not, Go for it. I can say anything? Okay, like I'm not really into scat, honestly, but if a little scat gets on the peen, the I'm okay with it, but I'm not like, oh, yeah, you just had a bean burrito, come fuck. No, okay, no. Uh, but uh, honestly, the thing I'm biggest into is menstrual sex. But it's hard to find people that's also comfortable with it. Still? Yeah, still. Still, it is. It is. But, yeah, I, I, I love me some good, bloody... Pussy.
0: i think the problem sometimes for women when they're on their period it's already a bit painful so sex can also it make it more it painful no 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 mansplain alert
1: oh my god yeah that was actually it, it was a really nice interview he was also so keen on being interviewed and then suddenly this whole thing took a really disturbing u-turn yeah.
0: <laughs> I know because I was trying to explain from a woman's perspective when you're on your period it can hurt a lot to have sex and there's a lot of people that are into it and it depends how heavy your flow is and all these things but I did not appreciate being told by a man that I was wrong.
1: Oh yeah I I get that also I think it's different for everybody I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think his anecdotal references to women really being into it, and that's just the way it is, and it helps with cramps, mm, not correct.
1: Yeah, okay, so let's let's clarify this once and for all. Anna, you tried it, how, how was it for you?
0: Yeah, I have had sex on my period before, but it depends, again, on the time. If I'm on a heavy flow, mid-period, very painful, absolute no go. If I'm coming on, coming off, and it's not so strong, yes, but... There's honestly no size fits all. And I know a lot of women that like it. Mm. And I know a lot of women that really could not imagine anything worse during their time uh, to have sex. Anyway, he was a nice guy overall. So we just wanted to come in here and tell you we did not appreciate the mansplaining.
1: Okay, let's go back and see what else he has to say.
4: I'm sorry, in my experience, and that's how I get into it. Okay, so quick little story time. I got into whatever, peer play, whatever you want to call it, because I dated a girl who had extremely harsh or volatile uh, cramps, okay? So she had a prescription for her her painkillers. The prescription ran out. She couldn't get it filled until Monday. It was Saturday. She was literally bowled over in the street, like in pain. And I was like, okay, what can we do? What can we do? And we looked it up and sex was one of the things, like a natural remedy. It worked and she, it worked. It actually alleviates the cramps. Wow.
1: I, s- I so can't believe you just said that
4: <laughs> penetration vaginal penetration helps to le- I don't know everybody's body is different okay. but for her it worked and then she was hooked and then I was hooked
0: that was your gateway drug
4: that was my gateway into the bloody world of menstrual sex so how long have you been into kink? always? Uh, probably since a teenager just sort of like in the fringes you know what I'm saying but as, I, as an adult I dated a girl. Oh, the girls. I, I'm. I'm always the one getting corrupted by these women. Okay. But those, people always make saying it. it's the men out there. Yes, that's true. But the women out there are, 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 are. They're freaky too. Okay. I dated a girl. The first thing she said was, "I just want you to pretend like I'm sleeping and come into the room and fuck me." I was like, "I can do that." And then she was like, "But I'm 13." I was like, "Okay, I can still do that." <laughs> okay. So she was. She bought me. She's the one who introduced me into the more taboo things and that was maybe back in like 2018 so roughly four or five years not so long ago ago, but i've been i kind of knew i was in in, i kind of knew but i wasn't i hadn't and no one had really brought me into it but initiated me but i knew i kind of i knew i had some 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 kinky or taboo desires yeah
0: So we're here with...
7: John, also known as Hi There Katsu. Yes.
0: What's your background?
7: I was a television producer for 35 years. I've won seven Emmy Awards, but it was all for sports shows. And so I have interviewed hundreds of athletes, including Michael Jordan in a one-on-one interview, which I always call an absolute highlight of a career. But I've been able to work with athletes... And I've never been one to find out, well, why did you say, when you shot that shot at the end of the game, what were you thinking? I want to know what gives them the passion for what they do. I remember doing volleyball interviews with college volleyball players. And my first question was, when did you fall in love with volleyball? And when did you decide that you wanted to marry it? And it enabled them to go back and remember that first moment that they did fall in love with what they love. And the Marriott part was when they knew they were good enough. Instead of going, well, how'd you start in volleyball and uh, you're pretty good, what do you like about it now? It's a totally different way of asking a question. I have zero notes. I may have a biography of somebody, but I want to know what their name is, why they're there, and I start from there. And it creates the most incredible interviews and really authentic stories.
1: Let me ask you now, when did you fall in love with Kink and when did you marry it?
7: I am 59 years old. I got to watch the Batman series back in 1966 when it first came on the air as a three-year-old. So as a three-year-old, four-year-old and five-year-old, I saw a lot of people getting tied up and I saw a lot of women in cat suits. And the first seven times I had an orgasm, number one, I didn't know what was happening to me. Number two, I was watching Catwoman or Batgirl or Emma Peel of the Avengers. And so I felt like the fetish was imprinted on me before I even knew what sex was. And as I tried to have a sex life, something was always missing. Now, sadly, I put myself in a position where I was married to someone who kink shamed me from the very beginning and I still married them and stayed with them for 20 years, including 10 years of no intimacy whatsoever. So we had a seven year separation, the divorce became final last year, but during the separation I learned to become my authentic kink self. And not only has that journey allowed me to become my authentic kink self on my podcast two weeks ago I came out as gender fluid because my life has never been one of feeling like a male who thinks in straight line thinking. My, I've been called androgynous by my therapist because I take a 360 degree view of everything and it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And so my journey started as a simple little boy watching Batman and it's become something that is my love and passion and I'm happy to share that passion with so many others.
0: And what a journey it was for us too.
1: It really was. I have say that guy
0: was so sweet. He gave us little notebooks, little notebooks. gratitude notebooks. Yeah. He was a very yeah. wholesome guy
1: very wholesome he even featured us on his podcast that was nice kind of when I listened to that episode right when we were still in Florida Wow, amazing couple of days. Um, we were
0: I, tired, it was a lot. And by the end of the three days, I have to say the latex smell was starting to make me feel a bit nauseous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really have to say these things, kind of these fairs, uh, conventions, events, they're so intense because you basically you don't sleep, you come early to set up, then you're with people talking, networking, uh, and, interviewing.
0: Yeah, and also after every day there was a pervy pool party that we went to so it's everyone getting in the pool in all their outfits a party and I have to say after the Remember after the first night, there were a lot of people that came in with new bruises on their faces. New
1: bruises. And also, uh, one night, the pool had a really weird colour. That...
0: Yeah, I put it on Instagram and loads of people replied saying, no. what the hell is wrong exactly, with the, pool? Exactly, because the
1: party looked so cool. The surroundings, the lights, people in their outfits. And then you had the pool and, and everybody was commenting like... Mm.
0: I'd like to think it was extra chlorine.
1: Yeah, oh. oh my God, but... As it's said, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, and uh, we want to tell you a little bit where our podcast journey is taking us next.
0: Yeah, so we're... Working on a Christmas episode at the moment that should be out probably around Christmas Day and then we're working on a really, really special narrative episode. More details to come. We won't spoil it now, but that's a lot of work.
1: We won't tease it too much because you know us already and sometimes things take us longer than we would like them (laughs) to. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. right now I'm just really looking forward to Christmas. Um, I think I'm going home for a couple of weeks. So Same same yeah same leaving barcelona behind and then coming back with a uh, fresh energy in the new absolutely. year
0: absolutely and we'll probably be ending season two at the end of december and get into planning mode for season three
1: that's the plan so you have the christmas special to look forward to um in the meantime as always follow us on our socials rate us please do kind of.
0: it really helps get the word out there if you rate us
1: this podcast exists because of you our lovely listeners <laughs>
0: Indeed. So with that note, keep it kinky.
1: Keep it kinky. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Spanky Next on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Spanky Next Podcast.
0: If you'd like to connect with people who share your kinks, sign up to Fetish.com for free or download the FET app from Google Play Store and the App Store now.
1: And for any one of you who is looking to deepen their knowledge of kink, head to the BDSM Training School on Fetish.com and enroll in a course now.
0: And last but not least, shout out to our producer Billy Cragen, our kinky team and everyone who makes this podcast possible.